Where are we on the end time Bible prophecy timeline? Is the rapture imminent? Are we on the threshold of the tribulation? And where does the United States fit into the end time scenario of events? Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I'm delighted to have as my special guest a dear friend and colleague, Don McGee from Amit, Louisiana. Welcome to Christ in Prophecy, Don. Good to be here. It's always good to have you. It's always good to be here. And uh, folks, I'm also pleased to have my associate Nathan Jones here to help me interview Don. Nathan is our web minister. Welcome, Nathan. Thank you, Dave. Don, every time we have you on this program, without exception, we are covered up with letters and emails and telephone calls saying, how in the world does that guy keep those glasses on the end of his nose? Is the secret super glue or is it Velcro? Uh, I, I don't know, Dave. I, I, some guy out of Germany is providing me with something to put on my nose. <laughs> Don McGee is the founder and director of a Bible prophecy ministry called Crown and Sickle. Don, where's that unusual name come from? The name comes from a passage of Scripture from Revelation chapter 14 and verse 14 where Jesus is seen sitting on a cloud and He's wearing a golden crown and He has a sharp sickle in His hand and He is about to reap the earth. And, and that's where we have the separation of the wheat and the tare, so to speak. And actually that's an event that may come soon. I hope it does. We're going to be talking about that in a moment. Nathan, why don't you ask the first question in our interview here? Okay, Don. Again, great to have you here, man. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, where do you think we are on the prophetic end time timeline? I believe that we are at the point where the return of Jesus for the church, commonly called the rapture, is imminent. I don't think that we can any longer say, well, it's going to come soon, although I understand what people mean when they say that. I believe mm-hmm. that imminent is the better word because it could happen at any moment. What does the word imminent mean? It means it could happen right now. It's, there is no delay. There is no prophecy that must be fulfilled, no event that must happen. He, it could happen before sundown today, easily. So, the signs of the times do not necessarily point to the rapture, but they point to end time events like the tribulation, the second coming? There are two kinds of signs that you can look for in the Scriptures. You can go to Matthew chapter 24 and read about events that Jesus say, said would happen during the tribulation period. We're living in the shadow of those events right now, today. All you have to do is look around and, and see what's happening in the world. And then secondly, you can go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and Paul describes to Timothy how people will be living in the last days. I believe Paul was talking about the last days of the church age, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but Jesus was talking to the Jews about events that would happen during the tribulation period. And Dave, you know, I believe this is a synergistic thing. When you take what Paul said about the events that would occur at the end of the church age, and, and, and put those or combine them with the events that Jesus said would happen in the tribulation, then you have just an increase in intensity and in volume of, of a world that's gone haywire yep. that requires the return of Jesus. Well, certainly church. as you begin to look at the prophecies concerning the tribulation and the second coming of Jesus and the signs that indicate that, and we look around and see those signs all over the place today, you know for certain 
that the rapture has to be right around the corner. Yes, absolutely right around the corner. More so than ever before. Like, and, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things that we, that we as Christians understand about the imminent rapture is what John said. This should purify our lives. If we really believe that Jesus could come back at any moment for the church, then that should be reflected in several things. It should be reflected in our zeal for evangelism, and it should be reflected in, the, in, the, in holy living. Well, you know, Don, um, I grew up in a, the same church you did, so you know my background and heritage well. And uh, for attended that for almost 30 years, and I never once, never once in that 30 years ever heard the word, word rapture. If at the end of 30 years of going to church you had asked me what the rapture was, I would have said it was a sensation you feel when you kiss your girlfriend. What is the rapture? Because I'm sure there's people watching who don't even know what that word means. What is the rapture? What are you talking about? I was very fortunate. The group that I was raised with talked about it all the time. Right. What the rapture means is that Jesus is going to come back in the air and there will be a trumpet and there will be a, a voice of the archangel and death will release its hold upon Christians. There will, be the res- there will be the resurrection when Christians, this is a family affair, this okay. is not a general resurrection. Christians shall be raised up and reunite, or re- or united with their immortal glorified bodies to meet the Lord in the air. And then we're going back to heaven for a period of seven years. That's the rapture. What about those alive? Those will be caught up also. And those who are dead will be caught up first. Then those who are alive will be caught up. And it's all going to happen in a period of time. That so, you're so saying this in a, the rapture then is an event that is separate and apart from what we usually refer to as the second totally coming. Totally separate and apart. They're not associated mm. whatsoever. So, you're saying the return of Jesus is going to be in two stages. Uh, that's uh, how a lot of people would put it. That's right. So, the rapture before the tribulation and then rapture Jesus' the victorious return. We have, the rapture could happen right now. Okay. And then when that happens, there will be a seven-year period of time in which Jesus is, or God's going to deal with the Jewish people to bring them back. At the end of that seven-year period. So, you're saying then that uh, there are no events that have to occur before the rapture. That's right. But there are events that have to occur before the second coming. That's right. Like what? Well, after the church is taken out, a man is going to arrive upon a scene. This guy's going to be a world ruler, commonly called the Antichrist. In fact, that's what God calls him in His Word. This man is going to have the answer to the world's problems, and all you have to do again is look around and you see we have plenty of them. And if any man comes upon the scene and says, I can fix that, I can give you peace and security and prosperity, the whole world will go for Mm -hmm. it. That's going to happen. This man is going to sign a document with Israel also protecting them. What about the rebuilding of a temple in Jerusalem? The temple is going to be rebuilt because at the three and a half year period, uh, time period in the tribulation, this Antichrist is going to go into that temple and declare himself to be God. Don, the moment that we start talking about the return of Jesus, I can imagine people clicking off. Because they're saying, oh, here's one of those crazy guys that sets dates and he's going to tell us the date that Jesus is going to return. When we talk about the season of the Lord's return, we're not talking about a date, are we? No, no. We have been accused of date setting. And and there's a man right now that's predicting that the return of Jesus is within a few days. Uh, He has been very specific on the date. that. Well, we have that all the time. And that's that's Mm. been happening for a long, long time. And the press always focuses on that. They focus on that and people use that. So they can make fun of it. People use that to say, aha, look at all those pre pre-trib people out there. They're a bunch of crazies. The, um, the season of the Lord's return, can, it, we're, we're living in it right now. I can't tell you 
what will be the hottest day of the year. I can't tell you what day, but I can tell you it's going to be in the summertime. (laughs) So I can't tell you what day Jesus is coming back, but I can tell you that we're living in the season Uh of it. Well, the Lord wants us to know the season of His return. He he does not wish that any should perish. He wants, he always, uh, uh, he always uh, warns before he pours out his wrath. And there's going to be great wrath poured out by God after that rapture t- uh, time during the tribulation. And God does not want any to perish. So certainly he's going to give us signs to watch for. That's absolutely correct. One of the greatest signs of the 20th century was the reestablishment of Israel. Yes. That's, that's the pivot point. That's where you go uh, to begin looking at signs. But there are other things too. There are signs in nature. And there are signs in technology. Uh, if you look at the world, you see that we are a, a worldwide citizenry now. People don't even want to talk about borders. That's an indication that the whole world is coming together in a situation where this Antichrist can say, <clears throat> pardon me, can say, I've got the answer right. to solutions, not just in your geographical area. But for the whole world. world. Nathan, you're, you're on the internet every day mm-hmm. talking to people all over the world. Do you sense that people feel like we're living in the season of the Lord's return? There's been a great awakening, especially amongst people on the internet from, that I talk to, because of the natural disasters. I mean, we've been uh. having a great increase in natural disasters. Before, when people weren't paying attention, now they're paying attention. It's amazing how natural disasters can get people's attention. Very much so. <laughs> when I was a kid living in Waco, Texas in 1953, they had the worst tornado in the entire history of the state, even to this day. <clears throat> and over 100 people killed. The town completely devastated. Mm. We had standing room only at all the churches. I mean, it didn't matter, Episcopal, Presbyterian, standing room only for about six months. And then people started forgetting and drifting away and all. But there's something about... God speaking through nature, which He's done all through history, that gets people's attention. <laughs> I think one of the reason that, uh, reasons that uh, what's happening in nature gets our attention is because what happens in Japan affects what's happening in America. Yes, yeah. we see natural calamities tied together. Look at the impact. It's not just a uh, a weather situation or a seismic situation, but it it affects the economy. Oh, yes. it affects the provision, the supply of food, uh, clean water. Yeah. Uh, and then the radioactive clouds that uh, move across the And we realize there's forces that we have no control That's over. Right. That's right. Uh, we just don't have any control. Look what that volcano in Iceland did. All it shut it. down Europe. All of Europe. Yeah, one volcano. <laughs> and and, and uh, when you look at the, the rim, things, rim of fire. Uh, and they're definitely increasing in frequency and intensity. Yes, To make sure are. the people in Waco don't fall asleep again, or like we did after 9-11. Amen. God's yeah. constantly reminding us. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our interview of Don McGee, Evangelist for Crown and Sickle Ministries. Hey Don, I would like to know what you did before you became a Bible prophecy pastor and what made you want to get into Bible prophecy (laughs) full time. Uh, I guess the best way to put that is that um, I I call it a various background. Uh, Other people call it a sordid background. (laughs) Sordid, uh uh-oh. as an adult, Did you I say uh, sorted or, or, or assorted. <laughs> sorted. <laughs> I was um, as an adult. I was a, a soldier, and I was a soldier for several years in the Vietnam War. In Vietnam you? War, and uh, remained in the uh, in the reserves for a little while after that. Uh, after that, uh, I became a, a Louisiana State Trooper, uh, something that I wanted to do for a very long time, and uh-huh. uh, enjoyed that. And actually became a guard to the governor, didn't you? I worked as uh, mansion security. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Kept the, the bad guys You're out. A dangerous of the man. Okay. 
<laughs> Believe in Bible prophecy. <laughs> that was interesting. That was very interesting. Um, and then I um, went into the ministry. Okay. I became a, a pulpit, pre- what I call a pulpit preacher. I, I like that term because it, it identifies me as doing what I like to do, which is preach and teach. Yes. The mm-hmm. pastoral end is another story. And that's yeah. why I can't imagine you uh, holding the hands. No, and, I don't do a lot of listening to the uh, same story 15 uh, times. No. <laughs> I was not really good at uh, the pastoral end of things, and of course that that didn't work. So anyway, I, in a way of manner of speaking, I got a pink slip, Uh-oh. and Uh-oh. I really didn't know, understand what the Lord wanted me to do. After taking counsel from some uh, very wise men, close friends, Dave, <clears throat> being one of them, I uh, started Crown and Sickle Ministries. What year? That was in uh, 2002, November of 2002. We oh, incorporated man, Pfizer wow. 1C3. Praise yes. the Lord. Stepped out in faith. Stepped out in faith. Yes. It's kind of scary, isn't yeah. it? It was, uh, but <laughs> it, uh, it prompted growth, and, and not just me, but in my family and people who are close to me who were watching this. Well, there's no doubt God's hand was on you because He's really, really blessed uh, your ministry since that time. Yeah, it has been, it has been wonderful. Why I don't really you tell been. our folks how they can get in touch with you? Uh, go to the internet. And go to crownandsickle.com, or you can call us by telephone at uh, 985-748-2943. But the best way is through the Internet. And we have resources on our website. Uh, It's dynamic. It changes uh, almost weekly. And we would love for you to visit. If you'd like to have our free monthly newsletter, uh, give us a uh, a contact message with that in the subject line, and we'll be happy to put you on our mailing And if list. they want to contact you about holding a meeting at their church, the they can place? do that through the website with no problem whatsoever. Okay. Well, Nathan, Excellent. let's get back into Bible prophecy. All right. Let's get back. Well, thank you for sharing with that with us, Don. All right. Let me give you a verse, uh, Matthew twenty four fourteen, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then... The end will come. Oh, Nathan. That How do is, you interpret that? That verse? has been taken out of context well, so many times. Well, doesn't that mean that the gospel has to be preached to everybody in the world before Jesus can come? At the second coming. But it does not mean that the gospel has to be preached to the whole world before the rapture of the church. Two That's different huge. events. Remember That's that. huge. Okay. Okay. And it's going to happen. There, is, uh, there are the two witnesses, 144,000 Jewish evangelists, and then there's this You're talking angel about during the tribulation. During the, end, during mm-hmm. the tribulation. Uh, that uh, preaches the gospel yeah. to the whole world. And yeah. then, uh, actually, uh, it, it's uh, culminated in it, Revelation 14, where the gospel angel circumnavigates the globe right. and actually preaches the gospel to every person before the final pouring out of God's If world. you want a, a, a precedent for that, look at the, what happened in Egypt uh, when the death angel moved across the land uh, destroying the firstborn of the families. This is going to be totally different, of course, because it's going to be the preaching of the gospel. Mm-hmm. But God can do that. He can move His messengers as He wills. So we don't have to reach every little tribal group in some Brazilian no. mountain or something with the no. gospel. No. That is solely something after the rapture. Right. Okay. So the rapture could happen at any time. It has nothing to do with the gospel going to the whole world. That's okay. Fitting. Now, uh, uh, with regard to that, uh, during the tribulation, what about, uh, we mentioned uh, uh, how people are going to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you mentioned the 144,000 uh, witnesses. These are Jewish people who accept Jesus and it appears that they go forth and proclaim the gospel. You mentioned the two witnesses in Jerusalem who will be there three and a half years. You mentioned the gospel angel. I can think of a couple other things that bring people to the Lord. In fact, the three others that come to mind right now. One would be the rapture itself might uh, convince some people although there's going to be a lot of deception about the rapture. Another one would be the 
there are going to be Bibles everywhere. That's right. In fact, in the, in, in the front of my Bible, I've written down what you must do to be saved. And I've given them the, the because they're not going to have a lot of time. Uh, so there'll be Bibles around. And then the very pouring out of God's wrath. Which, you know, our God is an amazing God. Even when He pours out His wrath, His fundamental purpose is not to punish. His fundamental purpose is to bring people to repentance that they might be saved. It says in Isaiah, when God plows the earth, He does so for the purpose of bringing people to salvation. That's right. God, God is not a tyrant. He's not some deity up there that wants to smash people. His <laughs> grace and His mercy spring from His love, and He loved the whole world. And the whole purpose behind this thing is to, to work with the Jewish people, to help the Jewish people. I'm glad you mentioned that because there is a fellow on MSNBC, which is notorious for being liberal. Uh, I, I was trying to think of his name. I think his name is Lawrence O'Donnell. And he has a nightly program. And last week he said on that program, anyone who believes in the book of Revelation is nuts. It is a work of fiction. It reveals a horrible God who is worse than, worse than Hitler. What do you have to say about that? I say, yeah, he's not the God that I know. And secondly, he doesn't know anything about the book of Revelation. Yeah. I, I think he's probably parroting something that some heretic said years ago, and, and they're saying today. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, that a person can read the book of Revelation from a, from a prayer, with a prayerful attitude and understand exactly what the Lord wants us to see here. Uh, who was it, Dave, that said the Revelation is not hard to understand, it's yeah. hard to believe. That was uh, Henry, Henry Morris. Morris. Henry Morris. Yeah. It's Morris. just hard to believe. Yes, yes. But the purpose of God's wrath is, is to deal with, with rebellion, with, with hardcore sin. He's given people plenty of time to repent. And there comes a time when by His very justice He must deal with this. Well, uh, the, the antecedent for that, the precedent for that is in the book of Judges, in the cycle of sin. You That's remember? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you read about that, you'll see that the, every time the people came under persecution from the Philistines, then they would repent and they would come back to God. And that's the whole idea behind this thing. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our interview with prophecy expert Don McGee. Don, in 2003, Judge Robert Bork, a man who was once nominated to be on the Supreme Court, and it's a tragedy he didn't make it because he was just personally crucified. But uh, Judge Robert Bork wrote a powerful analysis of American society in 2003 called Slouching Toward Gomorrah, in which he indicated that our nation, like the old Roman Empire, was being destroyed by internal moral rot. Would you agree? And what would be your assessment of the spiritual condition of America today? I think Judge Bork hit it just dead on. Uh, I think that if the book were written today, it wouldn't be slouching toward Gomorrah. I think it would be a, a headlong fall into the morass of evil. Uh, and I believe that uh, things have gotten worse since he wrote that book. We see that there are uh, so many things that are contrary to uh, God's nature and what He said about uh, humanity that are being uh, put out there for acceptance um, by the public. We are no longer a God-fearing nation. I think about something that uh, Lincoln did, President Lincoln did in the dark days of the, of the Civil War. He called for a, a national day of prayer and repentance. And repentance. And, yeah. and you know, he said a lot of things in it, and you can pull it up on the Internet and, right. and look at it and see what he said. Uh, one, of the, one of the things he said was that we have allowed our prosperity and our independence 
to, to propel us into a position where we think we've got everything, uh, you know, tiger by the tail on a downhill drag. You know, yeah. we don't have to worry about God anymore. Uh, and that is not true. You know, that was a remarkable statement of his because what he said basically was the whole civil war is due to our rebellion against God. We need to go to our churches, our synagogues, spend a whole day repenting, praying. And, you know, Don, I think if a president were to issue such a declaration like that today, there would probably be an immediate move to impeach him. That's how far we've moved away. I've given some thought to that also. And uh, in, a, in a presidential election, I believe that if uh, a candidate would uh, stand up and say, this is what I will do uh, once I'm inaugurated, I think that that person will feel heat like no uh, <laughs> uh, uh, president has ever felt. I believe that he's going to see heat from different directions, too. He's going to see it from the, from the Hollywood elite. He's going to see it from Wall Street. He's going to see it from Madison Avenue. He's going to see it from the halls of Congress. But more importantly, he's going to see it from a lot of so-called Christianity. Yes. What are some of the indicators of moral rot in America today? Uh, the perversion of homosexuality is accepted as a normal lifestyle, as something that is normal. You're born, it's just genetic, and you can't do anything about it. Do you think you'd ever live to see churches endorsing uh, same-sex marriage? When I was a young man, I, I thought that would never happen. But not only are they endorsing same-sex marriages, but many of their leaders who are practicing homosexuals and lesbians mm. are being ordained as bishops and priests and preachers. In direct opposition to God's Word. They pick a pig path through the Scripture. They take scissors <laughs> and they cut out what doesn't agree. I've never heard that one. A pig path. Yes. As if <laughs> Jesus isn't God and didn't have anything to say yeah. about it. How can yeah. you argue with the plain Word of God? And in fact, these people don't even argue with it anymore. They're hearts are so calloused that they yeah. just flat out reject it. What about the, uh, the, the murdering of babies? Uh, mm. No country, no country can, can escape the wrath of God when they kill millions of little babies before they're born every year. That, and, and that's sin like other things are sin. But to harm the innocent is, um, in, in, from what I see in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, when Jesus said, uh, let the little children come to me, indicates to me that there's a special place mm -hmm. in the great heart of God for the innocent. What about uh, national debt? I consider that to be an immorality. Stewardship is something that's taught throughout the Bible. And anytime you spend more than you take in, at least at my house, then <laughs> debt arises. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and I thought, what we're doing right now would be equivalent to me going out and buying a $50 million mansion and signing an agreement to pay for it over the next 200 years, putting that debt on my children, my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. That would not be a moral action. Not at all. Ten not years all. ago, Japan had an inheritance tax where they could actually sign something <laughs> and then pass it on to your grandchildren to pay for it. And we all got up in arms about it. But now, ten years later, we're doing the exact same thing. Right. We just don't point it out. You can't do that at your house because you can't print money. But <laughs> yeah. the United States <laughs> yeah. government, by just fiat, money. prints yeah. money yeah. and incurs debt. Well, you know, there's just so many signs of the moral rot of America today. One of them certainly is uh, vocabulary. I remember that in 1939, the first movie ever to have a curse word in it was Gone with the Wind. It was held up by the censors for several months because it had one curse word in it right at the end, the word damn. Today you go to the average movie from put out by Hollywood and the language <clears throat> is just absolutely overwhelming in terms of every horrible word you could possibly think of. 
but we become desensitized to this stuff. Absolutely. And I think I use that term absolutely too much, but I just concur wholeheartedly with what you said. Uh, Recently, I was in a restaurant, a family restaurant, and there was a family of four, mom, dad, two kids, and the language language that was coming out of that man's mouth in front of his Mm -hmm. little children was atrocious Mm -hmm. and felt no problem about using well, that. Just go no to problem. the playgrounds. Yeah. I mean, I have, my kids, they, they play with other kids who swear like sailors, and they're so young, and you know they're getting it from their parents. When I was a, a teenager, um, uh, I didn't think girls, girls burped. I, I just thought that, that, <laughs> that that was something they didn't How long do. ago you was know, that, Doc? That, that was a long time ago. <laughs> but I certainly knew that girls didn't use that kind of language. Oh, yeah. And today, it is their mouths are as filthy as any sailor's uh, that I've ever heard. And the so the, the, the weaker sex, as it used to be called, is no longer immune from that kind of de- degradation and, and foul language. Uh, well, you can see a lot of it in the, the greed that uh, has, uh, greed seems to be the motivating force in America today. No matter how much I've got, I've got to have more. This is certainly an indication of the moral rot of the nation. Uh, there are just so many of these things. It, it's kind of like the old Roman Empire all over again in terms of its internal moral rot. Another aspect of that is gambling, too. Oh, yes. When, when you talk about gambling, you talk about a god. What you're doing is, is, is practical atheism. You believe, in, you believe that you're in control of your life and that you're going to ensure... And you believe that what God has given you is not sufficient, and I've got to go out and get it some other way. And for one person to win, a thousand people has to lose, have to lose. But, Don, mm-hmm. one of the problems we've got here is that... Christians, professing Christians, are involved in all this stuff. If professing Christians would stop getting abortions, the abortion mills would have to close. If professing Christians would stop buying lottery tickets, they wouldn't have a... Because 85% of the people in America profess to be Christians. I mean, we are part of the problem. Yes, and I think that one of the reasons for that is because people really don't understand what Christian means anymore. Yeah. No, it's no cultural way. Christian. It's a cultural thing. Yeah. So I'm raised in a Christian home and I've gone to church and maybe I go once a year. So I'm a Christian. Yeah. My dad was a preacher or a deacon and my mom was a Sunday school teacher. So I automatically am a Christian. (laughs) You know what's sad about all this immorality, this not having the foundation of the Bible anymore, is what I've seen a lot, especially in the 90s, and you see it in the Morissette songs and all, is that after all this pleasure does not fulfill, that apathy has set in. And people have filled their lives so much that they seem so hopeless. Because our children today, most of them don't even know basic Bible stories like mm-hmm. Adam and Eve and Moses and what. They don't even know those things. They're, they're just biblically illiterate. Mm-hmm. And they have no moral basis upon which to make decisions except on the basis of what they see on television. You solve all problems with violence. Mm-hmm. Well, Don, our time is up. I want to thank you once again for being with us. You're great blessing to us. And I want to invite you to be back next week. Would you come back next week? I would love to. Okay. Well, we're going to have you back next week and uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to really speak your heart to our viewers next week. Well, folks, uh, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you and I hope you'll be back with us again next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, look up, be watchful for our redemption is drawing near. The Christ in Prophecy Study Guide is one of the most popular and valuable publications that Dr. David Reagan has ever written, and it's filled with information and tools to help you understand Bible prophecy. This guide is used worldwide and is a product of over seven years of intensive study by Dr. Reagan. 
Using this guide will build your faith and strengthen your interest in Bible prophecy as you discover the 109 prophecies that foretold very specific facts about the birth and life of Jesus Christ. As you discover how faithful God is in keeping His promises in the past, it will help you look forward with excitement to the fulfillment of over 500 prophecies about Jesus' second coming. Clear, logical charts and illustrations like this one about the Jewish feasts make learning the facts and meaning of the scriptures a joy. The Christ and Prophecy Study Guide also contains two tools that you will use over and over. The Topical Index allows you to find important scriptures related to every significant theme found in scripture. And the Scripture Index will direct you to every page of the guide that pertains to the scripture that you are studying. You can get your copy of the Christ and Prophecy Study Guide for a gift of $15 plus shipping. Just call one 800 705-8316 Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, or order online at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 